Welcome to Dead House. I'm Dylan. I'm Santa Claus. <laughs> and it is Christmas Eve here in Brisbane in this recording, and you're probably hearing this just before New Year's, so oh, Happy yeah, New true. Year as well. <laughs> uh, you can tell it's Christmas in Brisbane because there was a storm about two hours ago. The yeah. Almost had to delay the episode. That's true. I checked the weather when I woke up about seven this morning, and I think the whole week is meant to be dreadful. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you That's know. right. I'm meant to be getting up on my roof to do work next week. So, yeah, we'll see how the weather treats us for that. Speaking of which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this house is officially yours. Have we not recorded since then? I don't think so. Good we Lord. haven't recorded for two weeks. Yeah, I'm a homo. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Right. Congratulations. It's uh, it's very exciting. Very daunting, but exciting. Yeah, and, uh, debt is always exciting. Yep. Copious yep. amounts of debt and money to the bank. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, yes, yeah, exciting. Got a house now. Already started work. I think the the day that the lease was all signed and stuff, mm-hmm. went downstairs and just started like ripping shit off the roof. <laughs> Getting there was, there was old lo- there was old lights and shit and wiring hanging down that didn't do anything. I was like, ah, this is all needs to go. Yeah, got the yeah. pool table in downstairs. Oh, that's you, you and the boys helped me with that. Yep, that's right. There's uh, a pillar right beside it, so it's gonna need some skillful shots from that angle. But yeah, gives it's, a, it's a house hazard. That's fine. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And uh, this is kind of gonna double, I guess, as like a housewarming party because we got. Friends coming over I mean, yeah. this evening, have a little little stormy barbecue, mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. some snags, it'll be very good. You've got a ham in yep. the oven at the moment. Rum and cola glaze this year. Rum and cola, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was tossing nice. up between that and like a mango chilli. Oh, nice. I don't know if Jaden's going to eat the ham, and if he is, I don't want to ruin it for him because he can't handle spice. Yeah, true. And I think yeah. he, oh, does Sean like spice? I'm not sure. Oh, probably mild. And Sinead definitely does not like no. spice. Yeah, that's true. And uh, we've got some gingerbread cookies here on the table as well uh, that you and Alex have very nicely decorated. I can see a couple of horror villains. Attempts it. Yeah, there's an attempt of a Jason Voorhees and an attempt of a Freddy Krueger. I think that's great. I'm going to post a photo on the socials so people can see them. Uh, And I had one before. Extremely tasty. Very nice and soft. Just like Freddy Krueger. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And um, that's pretty much it. This is the festivities. And we're recording, like I said, for the first time in two weeks. So... Got a bit to catch up on, really. Like last weekend, um, you had like a little, little lunch uh, for your dad's birthday, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, which is good. I think that was. I think that's the last of the birthdays for a for a hot minute. Yeah, a long while. yeah. I think I think we're done now until like what is it, buddy? Is it April, May? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So got a bit of time now, and uh, had like a little listening party at my place with your new EP out. We. Spun out above and so below. Mm-hmm. Played some games, had some pizza. That was cool. Uh, yeah, and this is the last pot of the year. Number 40, we are doing a Christmas special. Yes. This is the Dead House Christmas special. Uh, have we settled on, on a name yet? I like Christmas Creepers. Christmas Creepers? Yeah. Okay. I we, like it better than Christmas Crackers. <laughs> we I were mean, toying with that, but it's, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yes. Christmas Creepers works well. And uh, you know what I've been up to is I finished the book I was reading, and it was a bit of a, a bit of a slog. It was a Metallica biography, um, which is very interesting. Um, I'll take was, your word for it. I'm not going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to read The Idiot by Fyodor Dostoevsky afterwards. Is that autobiography? It's, or? No, it's, it's a very large work of fiction, and it's a little daunting. So what I'm gonna what, what I've done in the meantime is uh, read some more Goosebumps. More Goosebumps. Very nice. Uh, I've read. What did I read? Welcome to Camp Nightmare, uh, which very cool twist in that one. I forgot <laughs> I forgot the twist, uh, but I remembered it from the TV show. And uh, Ghost Beach, 
which uh, wasn't too bad. And I've just started this morning. Uh, the Scarecrow walks at midnight. I, I remember that one. Mm. And when I say I remember, I'm, I can't really remember the specifics, but I remember very much enjoying that one. Mm. It's inherently creepy when things are set in a cornfield. Yeah, I mean Scarecrows, man. One, yeah. of, one of the one of the, some of the best Doctor Who episodes, like a good two-parter, had these like scarecrow monsters in them. I don't know if I've like seen a scarecrow before. Like maybe well, I have. They're not like, big in up. Australia. We don't really yeah. have scarecrows. Yeah, that's true. The closest I've seen is people that have like the giant owl figures. Oh yeah. In their I don't know, like garden or whatever to scare away birds. Just get like those animatronic Halloween decorations leaving yeah. in the crops. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're about halfway through Christine. Yeah, pretty it, cool. Uh, it's it's took it's taken me by surprise because it's not in the slightest bit scary. <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe it's because it's Stephen King. I was expecting some sort of a horror book. Yeah, okay. But it is a very good read. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I bought some DVDs in like some Christmas or like Black Friday sales from uh, Umbrella, the Australian distribution company. Never heard of it. And uh, I got, I think it was uh, Relic, the Blob. And Reanimator. And they shipped them in two parcels, okay. right? Um, Reanimator was coming in the second parcel, and it was like a week after the first one. I was hanging out for it. Uh, it finally arrived. I opened it up, and it's a 4K copy of Possession. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, this isn't what I ordered. So I sent them an email, and they were like, because I said, look, I can send it back to you like in a satchel or whatever and, sure. and sort it over if you want. And they, they were like, no, you can keep it or gift it to someone. We'll just send you a, the correct item you ordered. So what I'm hearing is Possession is such a bad movie. They're literally giving it away. Well, it's like, from memory, because I've never seen it, it's like a Sam Neill tentacle porn horror. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> so, like, say no more. I in like the Sam mouth Neill, of madness, if you, you know, give I it like anime. <laughs> So, uh, I'll give it a watch, and if it's, you know, meh, I'll pass it on to you. Alright, fair <laughs> enough. Um, but yeah, so check out Umbrella. They've got some really cool, hard-to-find shit, um, particularly horror, and they do really cool, like, collector's editions and stuff, and they have really good customer service. Very but, nice. Um, yeah, Christmas horror. This was a given, coming into uh, this time of year, doing, doing a Christmas horror mm-hmm. episode, and there are a lot to choose from, really. Oh, yeah. it. I think it's, I mean, maybe other than, or even I'd say more so than Halloween. Because Halloween's mm. got the Halloween franchise. That's kind of the main thing. Like, you've got Trick or Treat and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But Christmas is just the holiday with the most fucking horror movies surrounding it. Mm. And I think because it's a bit easier to use that in a horror movie as well than Halloween. Because in the sense that, like, Halloween's inherently scary with the decorations and whatever. Mm-hmm. But Christmas, you can just have like any movie set at Christmas time, and it becomes a Christmas movie. Yeah, well, then you get into the debates of like what makes a Christmas movie. Yeah, the, this is true. The diehard, diehard fans, <laughs> and the you know what? Oh, I feel like I was watching something the other day. Mm. Last night. Last night. What did we watch? Psycho Killer. Psycho Killer. Oh, American Psycho. Yeah, oh, we watched okay. American Psycho again last night because yeah. she wanted to, and that's got a scene at Christmas. Jared like, <laughs> is that a Christmas movie? No, oh, it's okay. not. <laughs> yeah, no. But, like, I don't know. Just because it takes place during or around mm. Christmas. This is true. I feel like it's got to have the right themes to be a Christmas movie. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Lethal Weapon is definitely a Christmas movie, though. Batman. <laughs> Batman Returns, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think what makes Christmas horror work really well is it's a strong sense of violation. Because, like, sure. I mean, Christmas time, you associate, like family holidays right and you've got like everyone having you know 
uh, dinner celebration together and mm-hmm. when it's sort of set inside the safety of your home and it's like this warm decorated place and then there's like murders and shit happening it makes it like particularly uh terrorizing sure i think there's also something to be said about like christmas kind of represents like innocence in that like a lot of children obviously spoiler alert here but mm. but they believe that santa's real uh <laughs> sorry spoiler for our, sorry for our younger <laughs> listeners <laughs> um uh. so like yeah so inherently you've got a sense of innocence there and mm, then most horror true. movies can sort of play with that and literally one of them we're talking about today is yeah. like about a child who loses his like belief in santa and christmas mm. which then creates the horror yeah yeah this is true and i feel like most of the ones we're going to talk about and in fact most i can think of revolve around in some way shape or form home invasions as well sure i'd say yeah because generally like, now that you mention it generally you're at home on a christmas day so i guess that's why? I don't know. I'm not at home on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I guess when you grow up with like divorced parents and you're like dating someone who's got divorced parents, you just do the rounds. You just spend the day on the road. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, and I feel like because of that as well, there's, it's often like it's got comedic elements because it's such a silly concept sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that comes from like the whole Santa Claus thing or whether it's just like the irony of it. I don't know. I think maybe just because, like, in terms of just generic Christmas movies, mm. you can either go, like, a romance yeah. or you can go a comedy. They're the, they're the two biggest genres of Christmas movies. And so if you're going to make a horror, it's I guess it's easy to, like, lean on another genre as well to try and help mm. out. Because if you just go a pure horror at Christmas, like one of them does that we're going to talk about, yeah, then it's... I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like it's missing something. It doesn't come mm. across as a Christmassy enough movie. And I mean, in saying that, I think the only That's one... alarm, sorry. Alex, can you baste the ham? <laughs> Please, thank you. <laughs> it smells lovely. Uh, I think like the only one of the four that we're talking about that doesn't have any comedy is uh, the first one that we'll touch on, which is going to be the original Black Christmas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 1974. Now, this one is also arguably one of the first slashes. One of, for sure, in cinematic yeah. history. Because I, I feel like in terms of what people agree, you've got Psycho, one called Peeping Tom, mm. Black Christmas, and then Halloween. I, f- I in Texas. Well, Halloween, yeah, I was going to say was 78, but Texas was 74. Mm, but yeah. the interesting thing about this is, so Black Christmas is Canadian, um, and I read that it was released on the 11th of October in Canada, which was the same date as the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. But... Black Christmas dropped on the 20th of December in the US. So in Canada, it literally came out the same day as Texas Chainsaw. Why would they drop a Christmas movie in Canada not around Christmas, though? Seems a bit odd. Yeah, I don't know. It's coming up to Halloween, maybe. I don't know, yeah. You get best of both worlds. (laughs) Yeah, true. Um, So I thought that was interesting. And yeah, this, from memory, didn't have any, you know, comic relief at all. It was (laughs) quite grim. I'd, I'd say it had some, like in the... Like in the characters, you got the Mrs. I don't want to say Mrs. Marks. The, the like the the carer, the, uh, the, yeah. the lady in the, in the sorority. Yeah, yeah. She's got a bit of humor, like when she's hiding all the, like fucking sherry bottles around this in a, in a true, Bible actually. in a in the top of a toilet. <laughs> like that. That's I take funny. That back, yeah. Some of the some of the dialogue, especially from Margot Kidder's character, is kind of mm. funny. Yeah. But it's it's I think in terms of the movies we're going to talk about today, it's probably the most strictly horror. Mm. Yeah, I agree, and. In saying that as well, probably the least gore. 
but still the most horrifying. Which is pretty par for the course, course mm. being from 1974. Like yeah. yeah, this is true. And uh, yeah, I guess Texas might have been the exception. And I guess the exorcist, if you look at like just viscera. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but another thing as well in terms of firsts is I think when we were doing the Scream episode, I said that I couldn't think of another movie where they do the whole phone thing. Mm-hmm. But like this must have originated like the whole taunt of the killer being on the phone in the house. Sure. I mean, yeah, I can't think of any other movies. Apparently it is sort of... Um Influenced by a real-life killer who did that. Yeah, who okay. Would, I mean, Zodiac, much later in life. Uh, but then, yeah, I can't remember who the killer was. But it was some guy who, like, after he killed people, would just call up and make obscene phone calls to either the victim's family or the yeah. police officers and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Um, so that was interesting. So, yeah, really, it did. Um, it, it was kind of like a trailblazer in a few different ways there. And it was produced and directed by Bob Clark. I'm not sure what else he's done. But uh, I just know he is uh, very much renowned for this. It's become a cult classic and I think been remade twice. Mm-hmm. Um, once in 2006 and once in 2019. But I've just heard negative things about <laughs> those. Um, written by Roy Moore and starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Dilley, if that's how you say it, Andrea Martin and John Saxon, who, of course, was the dad in Nightmare. And uh, actually, no, he had, some, he had some comedy as well because like, there was the dumb deputy... Yeah, like yeah, Sheriff's yeah. Officer didn't know what Flacio was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, made on a budget of 620000 and it went on to make 1.3 mil. So, I don't not know too what, bad. I don't know what that is adjusted for inflation, but oh, it, yeah, is, true. Uh, it is, it made its money back, mm. but I think it was at the time viewed as like a bit of a failure. Yeah. And then it yeah. wasn't until it got more of a cult following that people were looked back and like, hey, this is iconic, mm. you know, start of the start of a genre. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a similar thing to like Texas and Halloween. I think except uh, The Exorcist was the exception, mm-hmm. really, of horror in the 70s. Makes me wonder, and I'm sure it's not the case at all, but are there any like horror movies that have come out very recently that have done poorly, but then mm-hmm. in like 10, 20 years, people look back and be like, that was a trendsetter, that was iconic, and they'll have um, this huge cult following? Man, I don't know. I didn't get around to seeing Thanksgiving, the new Eli Roth one. Right. Cause I mean, it's, it's always hard to tell in the moment yeah. because... That's the kind of the nature of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, because there's even now, like, movies that'll come out that will look like they're doing really well because everyone's going to see it, but then everyone just says it's trash. <laughs> um, but interestingly as well, Black Christmas had the working title, Stop Me, uh, and it was originally called Silent Night, Evil Night in the US. That's right, yeah. um, I think I've seen alternate posters with that. Uh, and then renamed further to Stranger in the House for TV. <laughs> Um, which is the big twist in this film. Yep. Is that the whole time the killer is inside the house calling from another phone. And um, that's sort of why for a while there, uh, they, th- I think they suspected maybe it was like that. The boyfriend? Yeah. the yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name, but because um, definitely a good red herring where uh, he had like visible anger issues and mm. was like, a scene where he's destroying a grand piano. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got motive, he's got opportunity, he's got everything. Yeah. And I feel like they literally use that actor in the scene where it stabs one of the friends when she's in bed and he's got like the glass unicorn or whatever it is. Cause right. They show like a shot of him in shadow and there's like a shaft of light over his face. But they then, you know, later insinuate it was this mysterious Billy character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a very cool kind of whodunit. And what I love most about this is you never find out who the killer is. 
Yeah, I that took me by surprise because mm. I'd, I'd never seen it until watching it here. In fact, that's true of all these, all but one movie we're about to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I'd never seen it. I'd somehow miraculously avoid all like spoilers, I guess, because mm. I don't know, maybe she's not in this in the sphere of like things that I listen to or read about is yeah. like this particular movie. Yeah. But the fact that, yeah, it's just some guy who may or may not have any sort of motive. He's mm. just kind of batshit crazy. You never mm-hmm. find out who it is or why he's doing it. It's very yeah. interesting. It's very cool. Yeah, it's kind of like one of horror's best kept secrets. Mm. This film and this twist ending. Indeed. And uh, another thing, I guess, you can see where it was the, the kind of first to do something that became a trend was that POV style, like the Halloween opening, Yep. Um, where you've got like through the opening credits, he's kind of looking in through the windows and climbing up the side of the house. And I think they do that a few times. Like there's one time he's like trashing the attic and mm-hmm. throwing things around. And I do think that the, the movie I mentioned before, Peeping Tom had the actual first like proper POV killer stuff. Oh, cool. But this one definitely, I think did a lot more of it and mm. was surely the one that people look at and were like, because who the hell's heard of Peeping Tom other than yeah. you know, the expression, but who's nobody's heard of the movie Peeping Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas so that was, I'm sure a lot of people have at least heard of the the movie Black Christmas. Yeah. You have a search party for the first victim who you find out was like asphyxiated with a plastic bag and then put in a rocking chair in the attic, which is pretty gnarly. And I think (laughs) that became the movie poster. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just thought that was unusual for a slasher because generally they're these disposable characters with a final girl and you don't really care about Mm -hmm. any of the deaths. But the fact that a big chunk of this film kind of centered around the whole town, really. Uh, and, you know, the girls in the sorority house and the cops looking for this girl. Um, I thought that was different. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that, like, I was reading or watching some interviews where, I don't know if it was a writer or the director, mm. was saying that he wanted, like, all the female characters to actually seem like real characters and real people. Yeah, And so yeah. He, he tried to avoid all, like, the, the senseless nudity and, like, the mm. they're just trying to hook up and get drunk and stupid sorority girls. For he sure. wanted to actually make them real characters. Yeah, I respect that because I feel like they were taken seriously, like, in the plot as mm. well. Like, the cops weren't just like, oh, no, calm down, you're just... <laughs> Yeah, getting riled up, it's mania or whatever. Being like, hysterical. Yeah, like they were treated respectfully. Um, and I think that's really cool to see, uh, particularly of a film of that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we touched on it before how like you never really find out who the killer is except for this Billy character. Uh, I love the final shot where it just lingers an exterior shot of the house with the cop waiting out front. And as the credits roll, you just hear the phone ringing. I think... And it, I don't want to declare this. Right. Because I'm only thinking about it. I think it might be one of my favorite endings of a horror movie. Yeah, I like, think Like so up too. there with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Because it's, there's just something beautiful about it. Like, yep, it's all over. It's all finished. The movie's ended. Mm. And then it's just an outside view with the credits rolling and Christmas music playing. Or it might yeah. even be like carolers or something. Mm. And then it's just, yeah, he's ringing. And to me, I'm not sure if that's what they intended, but... Like, I kind of imagine that means he's killed the surviving girl. Because mm. I think they sort of set up in the movie that when he kills someone, that's that's when he does the prank calls. It's yeah. Like immediately afterwards. And so in my mind, it's like, oh, he's calling again. So that means she's dead in there. Mm. Yeah. No, I agree. I think Texas is probably my favorite ending shot. But I think this is probably my favorite, uh, like, just the way that it ends. Mm-hmm. Like, very open-ended and just on edge. And the fact that it's just a single shot is nice as yeah. well 
yeah, and you only kind of get glimpses of the killer. Like, you see his hands in front of the camera and um, maybe, like, a, a silhouette of his head or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a close-up of the eye out of the That was a closet. very good-looking shot, too. Yeah, that was, like, ring-esque. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was sick. And I actually was, like, wondering if maybe it was that uh, shopping center Santa. Because... They never... Like, there's a few red herrings in this. Okay, yeah. He's um, Bailey in the movie, though. Yeah, I know, but he's got some vulgar language uh, just when he is, like, in there briefly. And whenever they get these calls, they're, like, dropping the C-bomb and, yeah. like, very kind of overtly sexual comments. Uh, and I thought, you know, that'd be a really dark twist if the killer was, like... Santa Claus. Santa? Yeah. Well, I know there is another horror movie, and I can't for the life of, for the life of me remember the name. It's not Silent Night, Deadly Night, is it? That's not the one I'm thinking of, oh, okay. that's a good one. Uh, no, I, I can't remember, but it's about some, like, Santa Claus guy mm. who is super obsessed with, like, Christmas and Santa Claus, and yeah. then he dresses Santa Claus, goes around killing people as Santa Claus. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's like there's there's one with David Harbour called Violent Night. <laughs> we watched that the other week. Oh, is it good? Uh, it's all right. Okay. It's it's maybe not as good as I would have liked it to be because mm. I'm, I'm a I'm a David Harbour fan. Yeah, and uh, also was it John Leguizamo? Oh, nice. He's in it as well. Yeah, uh, sloth from Ice Age. Not the <laughs> sloth. What's his name? Fucking Sid. Sid. Sid the sloth. <laughs> well, he is a sloth. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. Like it's as much as you can want from like a Christmas family action movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, again about a home invasion, mm. <laughs> and it just so happens that it's. A real Santa Claus is there. Yeah. Actually, right. that's not really family friendly. I think he breaks someone's neck. Oh, okay. But it's not like no, gory, right? No, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely okay. not family friendly, but, okay. yeah, interesting. but good. Uh, yeah. This movie is kind of like what I, f- I feel like what Friday 13th could have been if it used tension better. Mm-hmm. Um, like similar styles of shooting and I guess just the slasher elements of it. But this was, yeah, a, a much better paced film uh okay i i think i think maybe for my tasting it was a bit slow yeah okay. in, in certain parts mm. there was a little too much time where nothing happened or maybe it's just because i didn't care about certain characters yeah and so when it's just showing them going about doing stuff i didn't really care too much yeah okay but um very very impressed with this and i just watched it for free on youtube so <laughs> i've been keen i'd be keen to get like a restored blu-ray or something <laughs> and watch it because it really is like a a sleeper hit it's a classic and it's a i reckon for a reason yeah you should you should totally see it if you haven't gotten around to it the the 74 original mm-hmm. black christmas uh shall we move along to let's the next m- one let's move along to the next one i'm very excited for the next one <laughs> yeah uh probably my f- one of my favorite christmas movies i'd say mm. like, this is my favorite christmas not movie. even horror <laughs> yeah. just christmas it's motherfucking gremlins motherfucking gremlins <laughs> g 1984, fast forward in 10 years. And I mean, I don't know. We've done things like, what, arachnophobia and Lake Placid <laughs> on here. Like, we can do things like this. Yeah, of course. But I'll, I'll say this. Like, I remember seeing this for the first time as a kid and being, like, genuinely scared. Because <laughs> I think this is one of those films that made the MPAA introduce PG-13. Yeah, this was one of the big ones. Yeah. So, it's definitely got elements that um, stayed with kids. Like, fucking... Um, what's his name? Stripe, like melting in the water fountain. You see his carcass, like, yeah, green and gurgling and gross. When they fucking put it one in a blender or in a microwave, oh, dude. The kitchen scene yeah. with um, Billy's mom was yeah, My terrifying. God. Hold on, Billy. 
Billy. Ooh. Is there something about Christmas movies? Because like Silent Night, Deadly Night is also Billy. Was Billy the killer in Black Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> it was gizmo the whole time. Uh. Um, yeah, man, this is such a fun, fun film. Um, like you've got this like furry little mogwai creature and then you have these strict like three rules um, when the dad, the inventor father, like buys Billy this gift from this like mysterious store in Chinatown and he's like, you know, what is it? Don't, don't, um, don't get him wet. Don't, don't get him wet. Don't put him in the sunlight and don't feed him after midnight. Don't feed him and after we, midnight. Yeah. Like, we've all, we've all heard the discussions about what classifies as after midnight. Well, yeah. When does, when does it stop being after midnight and start being morning? Yeah. What happens if you, you know, travel across state lines <laughs> with daylight savings or take it across country? You know, I mean, he's buying this thing in Chinatown. So mm. does this mean it came from China? Mm-hmm. And so it's on China time. Don't I, feed it after Chinese midnight. I think wherever the Mogwai is, <laughs> its body climatizes to <laughs> the time zone or the light. Right. Take it to Sweden where it's like light at midnight. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'll be fine. Who knows? A, a, a crossover between Midsummer and Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Uh, but this movie was directed by Joe Dante, a name we've dropped on the pod before. Uh, the guy responsible for Piranha and the Howling. And it was written by Chris Columbus, who has done a lot of those big kind of American um, family adventure kind of movies. I mean, he did the first two Harry Potter movies, didn't he? Oh, I believe so, yeah. Christopher, Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan. Alex I, says. I Chris Columbus. So. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and produced by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And Which you can tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was an interesting thing I wanted to to mention as well is Gizmo and Stripe were originally the same creature. Yeah. Apparently it was script. meant to just be one thing and then yeah. it, it turns into a gremlin. Yeah. And that was Spielberg's suggestion, which I think was definitely for the better. And that was essentially uh, because he wanted audience members to be able to like relate to the yeah, character. Yeah. Wanted, wanted a, 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 a protagonist other than a human yeah. that you can connect with. You want like a cutesy adorable little guy that you can feel bad for when he's getting darts thrown at him or <laughs> set alight or whatever. Plus, it probably, you know, probably helped the old merchandising sales a hell mm. of a lot. Yeah, I used to have a little gizmo uh, key ring. Probably learned a thing or two from his mate George Lucas on that one. <laughs> yeah. And this was starring Zach Gallion, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton and Corey Feldman, uh, the first three of which I don't think I've ever seen in anything else, to my knowledge. But uh, I'll be honest, I always forget that Corey Feldman is in this movie. Yeah. Because he's only got a small role. Teaches him the little keyboard, doesn't he? Like, oh, he makes him harmonize with the keyboard. Is that Corey? Or was no, that... I think that's the main guy. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Corey's just the, just the I don't know, weirdly mm. younger friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was made on a budget of $11 million, So definitely, uh, I think, the biggest... Uh, production on yeah, this list. Big budget. Uh, and it went on to make 153.8 million. Okay. So box office hit. Good old Gremlins oh, went yeah. on to have a See, bizarre sequel, <laughs> which I love. Yeah, I still love let's, it. Let's it's, let's not mix things up here. It's just it's, it's whack. It's crazy. Yeah, but it's it's what Joe Dante wanted the first one to be. Yeah, that's right. You got like what the Spider Gremlin, the smart news reporter. The electro gremlin. It gets weird. Oh, yes. Uh, and an interesting thing that I'm glad they didn't do was they actually tested monkeys playing the gremlins. Uh, but the reason they opted for the animatronic ones was that the monkeys would panic 
when they had to put the gremlin masks or the heads on them. That makes sense. Did yeah. they try to do the same thing with Yoda? Or am I making that up? <laughs> I, don't I don't know if I'm making that up. I can't that, remember if they tried to get a monkey to play him or not. That would be funny. I've seen Nope. I know how it works. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of the gremlins ended up being animatronic and cost around 30 grand each. And, um, Good Lord. Yeah, as a result, there's a lot of technical issues as well. I'm sorry if you can hear Alfoil in the background. That's The ham is being Just wrapped. Alex is slaving away in the kitchen, but it smells lovely. Well, that's my ham. Just that's, want to point yeah. that out. Oh, it's my ham. You started lovely. the ham. You scored it and did the first basting. It's it's collectively your ham. Call me John Williams. I scored it that well. <laughs> Except I didn't. It was scored terribly. What the <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. That was good. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, the other Mogwais, they terrorize Gizmo. And so essentially, if you do get this Mogwai, this fluffy, cute thing with hideous ears, uh, pig's ears in, you know, sunlight, or you get it wet, like, um, he knocks like water from a paintbrush jar on him. And that's how mm-hmm. his back like bubbles up and these little fur balls pop out. And well, that's what I love is that each of the rules is like, it's not the same thing. It's not like, mm. oh, each of these things will kill it. It's like one will kill it. Yeah. One will make it reproduce horribly quick. Yeah. And then one will turn it into a gremlin. Yeah. Yeah. The last one definitely being the most grotesque. And I do like kind of how he sort of checks the clock and turns out they like unplugged it. So they were like conniving against him. So we oh, could yeah. give him. Give him the chicken. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of gross. They wake up the next morning and there's like these alien-looking alien eggs. egg sacks. Yeah. Uh, they're like green and phlegmy and pretty gnarly. And um, yeah, I think the, the kitchen scene where the mum's home alone and they like start playing that music on like the record player and uh, throwing plates at her and shit. And mm-hmm. she like stabs one, puts it in the microwave and it explodes. One gets face first in the blender. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that was that was like some strangers level <laughs> uh, tension in that scene. Um, and then it's got so many funny moments in this, like the bar scene and they're all just like playing poker and yeah. drinking. And Is this um, the one where there's, there's like a flash? The flash, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it the first one or is it New Batch where there's Greta, like the one that's the bride and tries to make out with the dude? It's like a female gremlin. Oh, that'd be the second one for that's sure. That's the second yeah. one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then uh, the at the end, the gremlins are like taking over the town and they're just running amok, like destroying people's TV antennas and looting and things um and they destroy them by blowing up a cinema (laughs) where they're watching watching snow White White and the seven doors of all things yeah very very strange uh i wonder what the meaning of that was was there like a purpose they chose snow white like for the film i mean i don't know i'm sure there would be in most films there's a reason for everything yeah okay and uh like that fountain scene i mentioned where they finally kill stripe when they're at that department store that's uh, that's pretty intense too. Like for a movie that's can like be quite scary for a young kid to yeah. being quite funny for an adult. Like when he's getting stalked essentially by the one gremlin and he's got like chainsaw coming at him. Um, <laughs> fucking, he's like showing himself on the TVs with the video cameras and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the uh, famous scene of Gizmo in the Barbie car. Yeah. Right. Um, God, and, I think that had to make him the action hero right at the end. Yeah. Is it the second one where he's got like the Rambo the Rambo stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. The, one thing that I find is really funny and out of place in this movie is mm-hmm. the main actress, like the, the girlfriend character, yeah. has this weird hang-up 
about Santa Claus and Christmas and she hates it. Oh, yeah. And then there's this super out of the place like monologue where she goes into detail about how her father... Her father dressed up as Santa Claus and came down the chimney, but got stuck and died. And yeah. then they found him later because they could smell something yeah. coming from the chimney. And like that, it comes out of nowhere, yeah. and nothing comes of it. Yeah, it's, it's so, so dark. weird. Yeah, I think it's. I don't know. It was. I think it was put in there so they could have Billy, whose family loves Christmas, lives for it, and then he falls in love with her. And she hates Christmas because of the mm. traumatic experience in her childhood. And then by the end of it, it turns them around. But it doesn't because she yeah. gets terrorized by fucking gremlins. Yeah. And I think it's weird too because I'm pretty sure I read that like everyone wanted to get rid of it. But yeah, okay. either Joe Dante or Steven Spielberg, I cannot remember which one, mm. was like adamant. They were like, this needs to be in the movie. Yeah, if this okay. is not in the movie, then the movie's not it. Wow. All right. And considering that this is something that may have been like, targeted towards children <laughs> to, like, scare children. Like, you're just dropping that bombshell in it. I don't think this was targeted at children. I mean, I saw it at a very young age, at least. Yeah, but, you know, you were this, you. This is true. I also grew up with things like Sleepy Hollow and Signs. Um, and, man, that iconic theme song. There are moments in just a regular day. I'll just be going about my business, and all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know what it is, dude. It's catchy. It is good. It's good, yeah. Uh, should we move on to the next one? Let's move on to the next one and remind me what it is. Krampus. Krampus, okay, yeah, gotcha. Krampus. Krampus. 2015. Is Krampus... Krampus is like legit Austrian folklore, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So this is one by... Uh, directed by Michael Doherty, who was responsible for Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat, yeah, gotcha. And uh, written by him as well as Todd Casey and Zach Shields. And starring Tony Collette. Adam Scott and David Koshner. Is that how you say it? Uh, I think so, yeah. Co- Comedy Co- actor. Kirshner. Kirshner, maybe. Um, I didn't know Tony Collette was in this. Neither did I. I didn't, I'd heard of this movie. I'd hmm. heard the name Krampus. Yeah. I'd never seen anything for it. Yeah, And I dude. didn't know any of the actors in it. I've always wanted to see it, but I didn't watch it till uh, this week or the week before for the pod, and I loved it. What did you think? I thought it was okay, but I, I don't know how I feel about the whole thing like tone of the movie mm. because there's times where like the first bit of it is just sets it up as a very much as bog standard like christmas movie yeah you got the you know two families that are coming together at christmas time that hate each other yeah and but to me it's like none of those characters were likable in the slightest no. i hated all of them and so you got that side of it mm. didn't really care about most of the characters mm-hmm. but then sometimes they try to be comedic yeah and you got like the gingerbread men attacking them, you know. You got yeah. the toys attacking them. That's pretty funny, pretty comedic. Yeah. But then other times it tries to be like super serious and super scary. Mm. But then I feel like sometimes it'll try to go from scary to funny too quickly, and it ruins it. Yeah. Like okay. I think I think the the bit that made me laugh in a bad way was like when the little fat kid was getting abducted. Yeah. Where I had like the chain, the hook on a chain in the coming down the chimney. Yeah, yeah. Like that's. You know, that's a, that's a good scene. Oh, yeah, cool. Hook down. Yep. Fucking, oh, yeah, gingerbread. They're getting attacked. I'm cool with that. That's fine. Yep. It's kind of tense. It's exhilarating. When he's, like, getting dragged through, there's, like, an obnoxious bonk sound when he hits his head on the chimney. And, like, that, it took me out of it. I was like, all right, I'm not taking it seriously anymore. It wasn't the fucking CGI gingerbread man voiced by Seth Green that took you out of it? Was it Seth Green or Rogan? I think it was Seth Green. Seth Green, okay. No, that, I was okay with that. That, yeah. was, that was acceptable to me. It's yeah, the okay. bonk sound. Is, it was too far. 
<laughs> yeah, it was pretty dumb. Um, you could definitely see some parallels to Trick or Treat in mm. that sort of fine line between the hom- uh, cor- uh, fuck me. comedy and horror. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just invent a new genre? <laughs> the horror and the comedy. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I very much enjoyed it. Um, mainly because of the whole Krampus element, like the actual Mm. guy or the creature, um, the folklore around it. Uh, it was made on a budget of 50 million. So they definitely had a bit to play with. Yeah. And, uh, made 61.5 million. Um, unfortunately a lot of CGI, but it did have some good makeup and costuming, I I, thought. Yeah, it's got some incredible looking like creature design, Mm. especially the fucking jack-in-the-box worm thing. Dude, the carnivorous slug. That might be one of my favorite creatures in horror. I think it'd be in my top five. Yeah, Yeah, it was like something from The Thing. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's got like the mouth that we always love that like opens up. Like the predator mouth. Yeah, Yeah, that was sick because it's like at one point in the movie... They get a delivery of like, it looks like a Santa sack of mysterious gifts. They don't know who it's from. And they put him in the attic and then the boxes like pop open and these toys come to life, these evil toys. And yeah, one of them is like just this little jack in the box that I think uh, presumably kills the daughter, right? When she's hiding under a car outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next time you see the jack in the box, it's like fucking meters long, has a mouth like Predator and it's halfway eaten one of the other kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's definitely a big jump and yeah. I thought it was sick, but that whole Krampus thing... In fact, this whole movie, minus the comedy, kind of gave me Del Toro vibes of like that... Yeah, I could see that. ...that dark fantasy uh, kind of element there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought it was kind of cool to have the grandmother be Austrian, so she sort of knew of the folklore, but also having survived Krampus when she was a kid. That did... that. I'm fine with that. It did Mm. kind of annoy me, though, how, like... She's been through this, but then she lets it get so far without actually telling him. Like, that's a classic horror movie character mm. being stupid. Yeah. Like, too many times there's just characters that don't communicate or, you know, could easily mm. make things better by saying, hey, I actually know what's going on. I mean, unless But she... instead she's like, no, we just got to keep the fire warm. And it's like, well, why, Grandma? Why okay. we got to do that? I thought maybe that was her way of trying to help them and, like, stave it off without... Like them not believing her and sounding crazy if she's like, oh, Krampus is coming for us. I don't know. Like if you just keep the fire hot and do whatever else she said, like you'll be fine. But another interesting thing was, so you mentioned before, it's like this creature that gets summoned. It's kind of like the Mm anti-Santa, satanic Santa. And he's like this horned creature with cloven feet. And he's got like Santa's coat with chains and bells on it. And Mm -hmm. he has like this weird twisted gaping mouth and goat eyes. Well, apparently that's a mask. Oh, okay. Apparently he's wearing a mask of like it's meant to resemble like a twisted Santa Claus, but God, nobody yeah. knows what his like actual figure looks like. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, because he's definitely like got superhuman strength and speed and all this kind of mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of almost gave me the vibe of the quote unquote creatures from the village. I was just thinking oh, the really? exact same thing. Yeah, 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 like the spines coming out of the red cloak. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I also kind of liked that the kid kind of writes this letter of this. Letter to Santa of these Christmas wishes. He wants his family to get along. He knows his relatives that come over to stay. Like, the other family's just kind of, like, super Americanized. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, the Southern Democrat, you know. Yeah, yeah, true. So, even though they, like, treat him like shit, he's kind of wishes the best for him. And then he sees everyone arguing and the kids terrorizing him. So, he tears up his letter and throws it out the window. And it's, like, kids losing faith in Christmas that kind of summons Krampus. And what I liked about this was the events 
of the film kind of take place over the next three days, like the Lamia in Drag Me to Hell. Yep, yep. And well, I think I think we mentioned that episode. Like the whole Krampus myth is that, oh, part of its mythology is that it takes three days. Oh, okay, sure. And uh, it was really cool. So it started with like this supernatural blizzard, uh, and then you get these like creepy snowmen popping up in the front yard. Uh, the mysterious gifts, like we I, said before. I do like the transitions between the days where it's it's like him opening his advent calendar and the first day it's a snowman mm. and there's like the killer snowman appear. Mm-hmm. Well, the snowman appear that... I don't think they kill him, no. I think they just look gnarly. Yeah. Uh, and then the second day it's like a toy and then the, that's when the killer toys come and then the third day is Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. The evil toys were sick. Like you mentioned before, the jack-in-the-box worm thing. <laughs> Um, we had those little gingerbread men that get a nail gun, mm-hmm. like an shoot angel, at them. like a demonic angel. Yeah, the angel was cool, like a killer robot, um, a killer teddy bear. You know what I mean? I wish there was a nutcracker. Oh, killer nutcracker. Yeah, like a mallet or a sledgehammer that was. What if there's ever angles? been a killer nutcracker in any movies? Have you seen Santa Claus Two? <laughs> oh yeah, but you know that's fine. They're kind of not harmful at all. Yeah, but uh, ominous. I really like the opening to this movie, like the slow-mo chaos in the department store. It just shows the bad side of Christmas, like the poor retailers getting trampled. Yeah, well, yeah, no, that would be good. I was thinking with a Christmas or Black Friday, but no, it's definitely Christmas. Yeah, (laughs) well, similar vibe these days. Yeah. Um, Kids, like, crying for Santa photos. I think that's a good way to, like, introduce the the whole themes of this movie is that... Mm. People have lost touch of Christmas and now it's just about like greed and yeah. trying to get the most out of, you know, Christmas and yeah. it's all material things. Yeah, it was the polarity of it, I guess, where you've got this time that's meant to be wholesome and bring people together, but they just like tear each other apart. <laughs> and yeah, you're right. The materialism of it, like literally the dynamic between the brothers in the family is that like one's got more than the other or one can take better care of his family than the other. I mean, they're step, they're brothers in law, but all right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> they kind of have these snide, snide remarks yeah. like throughout the film. The brother, by the way, the brother in law, um, I really the like David when, Kirshner. yeah, I really like when they go out looking for the daughter after she says she's like going down the street to the boyfriend's place and never returns. And they're like walking through the street that's snowed under by now. And you get like this tremors type attack. Yeah. Like this thing burrowing under the surface grabs him and pulls him under like jaws. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And then the makeup of his leg when he gets back to the house was pretty yeah, sick. Yeah, it's got like a gnarly bite mark on it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, you get to like the last third of the film and the final act takes a weird turn where these like demonic elves rock up and <laughs> steal the baby. <laughs> yeah, it, it very quickly... Like, a lot of people suddenly die mm. in quick succession, which is interesting. And it's kind of weird. Like, most of the time, yeah, picking them off sort of one by one slowly. Yeah. And then right at the end, it's like, bam, bam, bam. Dead, dead, dead. Yeah. And the thing that kind of... Feels I, a bit rushed. Yeah. And I didn't really care either. Like, <laughs> I didn't really... Like you said at the start, you didn't really feel for many of the characters. I mean, mm. I like Tony Collette's character because she's just a great performer. Sure. But yeah, and then the ending was really interesting as well, where he kind of confronts him and the elves and they're having this like bonfire in the street uh, and gets like swallowed up by this fiery pit in the earth, wakes up on Christmas Day and his family's back. Mm-hmm. But then when they're unwrapping presents, it kind of zooms out and reveals like they're trapped in a snow globe, which is one amongst many in like Krampus's lair and then yep. the credits roll. What's your interpretation of that? Because I, I have one and then I read there was another one. I didn't really read into it too much beyond the fact that I think his family 
literally did die and get picked off one by one. And then when the kid fell into that pit in the earth, that was just him being like claimed by Krampus. And he's now one of his little ants in his ant farm that is this Christmas snow globe. But you think that's just him, not his family? Uh, Because you never actually see any of the family get killed. Oh, well, this is true. You only ever see them disappear. They just get pulled under the snow. Yeah, so that's that's where I went. And even... When he first woke up, or when he got thrown into the hole, that, yeah. I immediately thought, "Oh well, you know, they're gonna try and do like a it was all a dream thing." Uh, and I think Alex even said, "Oh, it was all a dream," because mm. um, they do seem visibly off. Like when they show that Christmas Day, like everyone's a bit too happy, too and, happy, too nice, and what it, different? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what my mind process was at the time because I think, yeah, I thought they were gonna go that it's all a dream route. But then when everyone was downstairs and it like it was his dream, mm. I thought, okay, so that means everyone had this... I'm th- like, my thought was everyone had the same dream. And then it's like, oh, no, it actually did happen and they are trapped now. Yeah, okay. Could it be that maybe... Maybe it wasn't a dream, but maybe he's not doomed to be like Cramps's puppet either. Like, maybe when he faced him and said, like, I revoke my wish... Because it was still within the three days, maybe everything did go back to normal and it was just bad acting <laughs> when they were shooting for Christmas Day. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Well, because that's, so that's the other theory that people see is mm. that the, that snow globe isn't like a prison. It's more just like a TV, like a viewing thing. And so it's just that Krampus is now watching oh. them to make sure they hold to it. I Apparently like that. that's how Alex saw it. I like that. I don't like that. Okay. I like it, I like it better for some reason that they're... That hap- it all, everything happened and then they're trapped. Okay. Instead of everything happened. You're like a bleak ending. I I mean, turns out, yeah. Yeah, true. All right. I mean, yeah, maybe it's just cool that it's one of those endings that anyone can interpret differently and it still mm. works. Because to me, it's also like, it just adds more to the like the mythos of Krampus that he goes around collecting mm. families or correct, co- collecting like memories or collecting mm. stuff like that instead of he's got a whole bunch of, Snow globes that he's just keeping an eye on and watching. Yeah, it's kind of like I think I think I also read that like the snow globes, the other snow globes had houses that were like famous horror houses. Like there might have been the Amityville house, Ooh. maybe the Nightmare House. I'm not okay, sure. Okay, that'd be cool. Santa crossed with the Grim Reaper with like an hourglass, like yeah. watching his uh, his victims. He's, um, he's taught him a lesson. Now he's got to make sure they stick to it. Yeah, yeah. An interesting thing was my dad and I were talking about. Uh, if Mark Doherty made like a, a horror film for every holiday because he's already done, you know, Halloween and Christmas. Yep. And he actually had this really cool idea was for one set on Valentine's Day and the people that Cupid shoots with his arrow, instead of having them fall in love, they kill each other. I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. That's uh, interesting. Like it'd Mr. and Mrs. Smith style. <laughs> it'd definitely be like a horror comedy. But I was like, yeah, oh, sure. that's, I don't think that's been done before. I mean, yeah, they've done Valentine's Day horror movies, but never with Cupid. It's yeah. always just been things that take place on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Turn Cupid into a maniacal fucking baby killer. Mm, I reckon that'd be sick. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I really enjoyed Krampus. Like, I think I probably preferred Trick or Treat more if I'm going to compare the two. Yeah, I think maybe Krampus is a better made movie, but I think mm. Trick or Treat just, it's more fun. Yeah, the interwoven stories was definitely interesting. Mm. Anyway, moving on to our final, our final film that I only finished watching this morning and had never heard about until you brought it up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the last one is Better Watch Out. 
from 2016, just a year after Krampus. And this is one that uh, I hadn't really heard of, to be honest, around that time when it dropped. It's just that I've seen it pop up on people's lists of their favorite horror movies oh, yeah. of like this century. I was thinking maybe the reason you wanted this is to shoehorn in an Australian movie. Well, <laughs> that came after the fact because I recognized two of the actors as being Australian, but it turns out most of the cast was Australian. Yeah. It, which I thought was pretty, pretty much cool. everyone except for, I mean, Patrick Warburton, the absolute yeah. man himself. Yeah. And I Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen, yeah, yeah from Candyman. Helen Lyle. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Uh, the fact that they were all putting on American accents was a little strange because it was also shot in Sydney. But um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's shot during a Sydney summer. Yeah. Too. And there's, there's all the fake snow. They've got to be wearing like these. Like woolen, woolen jumpers. fucking jumpers. Like, God damn, they would have been sweating. Yeah, I guess it was just to appeal to American audience, but it kind of didn't work out because it had a budget of 3 mil and it made 195k. Oh, I thought you were going to say 195 million. No, it fucking so it, flopped. It flopped like big time. Yeah, but people love this movie. Maybe this is the movie we're talking about where it flopped and then it becomes a cult classic yeah. and 10 years from now people will look back. I think so because I don't. This, this, film, this film has such a tonal shift halfway through. Uh, that I did not see coming. I like to try and pick twists like this, but the fact that this was like kind of directly at the halfway point um, and it pulls the rug out from under you was, uh, was really cool. So okay. this was directed by Chris Peckover, uh, an American, and written by him and Zach Kahn. And it was starring Olivia de Jong, uh, Ned Oxenbold from The Visit. Yep. Uh, Levi Miller, who, another Australian, and he played Peter Pan. <laughs> And In then, the horrible pan movie that yeah. came out, yeah. And then plays this twisted kid. Um, Daka Montgomery, is that how you say his first name? I'm not sure. The brother from Stranger Things. And yeah, the two the two you mentioned before. So really weird to have a largely Australian cast shot in Sydney, but everyone's putting on American accent and it's set in America. And yeah, maybe maybe it would have done better over here if it was Australian accents and they made it public. It was set in Australia. Maybe oh, though, because then knows? you, but it, it kind of completely gets rid of all the snow. You wouldn't be able to have the snow. You wouldn't be able to have the ca- people like Carol in uh, in Sydney and Australia or anything like that. There were Carolers at the shopping centre I work at the other day. Did you hit them? I cringed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, because I, I think in terms of Australian Christmas, it's not anywhere near as Christmassy. Like, oh yeah, the whole like, vibe's different. Yeah, the here. whole vibe is different. It's hot. There's like, no snow. There's not. There's not as much joy. I'd say there's a lot more drinking. Yeah, Christmas in <laughs> Australia is like a barbecue in the park with some beers and thongs, and you play some cricket or something. Yeah, like it's very different. Uh, but yeah, I really like the characters in this. So you had this like twelve year old mama's boy with a squeaky voice as this kid that mm-hmm. kind of just becomes this maniacal, manipulative killer. Like, the dude literally goes to sleep to womb sounds. <laughs> yes. What do they call it? The fetus fetus sound? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, and then you've got Olivia de Jong, who kind of breaks that sort of slutty babysitter, babysitter stereotype. Yeah. Where she's, she's kind of... actually, like, a nice, you know, girl. Yeah, she's smart as well. Um, she's kind and a virgin, they reveal. Yeah. Uh, and the kind of whole premise of this film is that she's babysitting this kid around christmas time while his parents are out and he's got a crush on her but he's like 12 yep um and she thinks it's his chance to make his move yeah but she's already with someone she's much older not interested and he kind of forcefully comes onto her uh and then when she rejects him he decides to hold her hostage 
and plays truth or dare at gunpoint to try and feel her up. See, I think I think you're wrong there. I think he doesn't decide in the moment. I think this whole thing was planned. Oh, literally yeah. it was planned because he and the friend are in on it. Exactly. Which uh, was nice. I want to take a step back. Yeah. Because you said you didn't see the twist coming at all halfway through, the tonal shift. Mm. I, I did, like pretty much from the get-go, and I knew nothing about the movie. I don't know if, if I just got lucky, mm. but I just thought he was such an annoying character and... Like when they were talking about in the start where they have to, you know, scare a girl to make her like sort of mm. you know, get it turned on or something. Yeah, okay. I thought that was a bit too on the nose. And so I definitely saw mm. it coming that they were setting up the whole home invasion thing. I, yeah. I kind of knew that. Yep. I, yeah, maybe I didn't know that he was as twisted as he turned out to be. Yeah, okay. But I also hated it. Okay, okay, interesting. Not, not the movie. I thought it was an okay movie. I yeah. definitely didn't love it as much as a lot of other people. Okay, okay. But I think he is not a good enough villain for me to like it as much. Mm, okay. Not cold enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% get what they're going for. Like, mm. they... Because he's kind of like this just, just teenager, well, a kid, essentially, who's grown up getting away with everything he can yeah. and influenced by like what he's seen. And it's like, he literally does the dance out of fucking a clockwork orange with yeah. the baseball bat. Yeah. And so he's clearly got some influences there. I think, but, and, and I'm guessing they're going for like, like that's wrong. Obviously. I think there's literally a poster in his room that says video games made me do it. Yeah. As okay, well. Yeah. And then in the start, like the friend is playing like a shooter game on yeah. his PC. So I get that the way the movie makes the character is that the character is doing what he thinks is fun and cool, mm. but is very much like, from an outside perspective, you're meant to see that it's not cool. Yeah, okay. Which I like that they're then turning, you know, they're not glorifying someone turning into a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. But at the same token, he's annoying. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely a dislikable character, uh, I think for good reason, because um, it comes back to bite him in the ass, which I have my own version of an ending that I think would have been way cooler. Okay. Um, to what you said, though, about seeing it coming, see, I thought, like, that point that you made where they sort of offhandedly say you got to scare a girl to make her fall in love with you kind of thing so you can protect her or whatever, play the hero. I thought maybe, like, when there was the intruder in the house, they were going to be in on it. But then when that gets revealed that it's just them playing a joke, someone was actually yeah, going to, like, okay. break in and terrorize them. I, I didn't I didn't see the twist of them, Yeah, you know. I, I feel like that's been done, though. Yeah, Like, okay. that, the whole, you know, prank happens and then something actually happens and they think it's a prank. Yeah. That's been done. This, in particular, I think, is a bit fresher. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, it's kind of funny that a lot of the jump scares in the first half of the film before it gets down to it, like, revolve around a fucking spider. Fucking huntsman cunt, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was good. Like, scampers across a hand on the table. I, I would have reacted the same way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of um, it's very easy to see coming that they're in on it because like uh, he throws her phone in the fish tank like when yeah. she's asking for yeah. it. Um, you see the the friend like run out the front and get sniped like on his way to the car or something. She like starts tearing him a new one for playing a prank like that and how mm-hmm. irresponsible he is and and how would you think being a big man in front of you would make me love you kind of thing and he pistol whips her down the stairs tapes her to a chair. And then the film gets pretty dark after that. Like, you, you find out as well, like, the, the handgun that he's got is not actually loaded. Mm-hmm. But then he does still kill people with a shotgun later yeah. in the movie. 
Uh, but the most grisly one is probably when he invites the boyfriend over and he's strapped to a chair as well. And then he drops a fucking can of paint on a rope down from the fucking stair railing and mm-hmm. smashes into his face. Home Alone style? Yeah, that was wild. And he's like laughing about it's it. It's got to be my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, it was. I did not see that coming. Yeah. And, Looks good uh, too with the, the red blood and the yellow paint. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I liked that they didn't show the face all like caved in yeah. um, for the would, shock value. Been too much. Yeah, but like the thick paint dripping down around his ankles with the blood mixed in was like just as horrifying, mm-hmm. I thought. Yep. And because that's the other thing, like you see like a dude getting his face caved in with a paint can. You see people getting shot, a guy getting hanged and everything. But the gore is pretty minimal. Yeah. So like I the, thought the that goriest was... part is pretty much dude getting a pencil in the face. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good Chekhov's gun when they tuck the pencil under the rug yeah. upstairs. Uh, and I did kind of like when the kid thinks he's orchestrated it all to look like the ex killed the boyfriend, killed the main kid, what's his name? Luke, Luke's friend, Garrett, mm-hmm. uh, and then stabbed Ashley in the neck and hanged himself. Uh, and he tries to put himself to bed. And I thought like that little pencil that they put on his doorknob. Yeah, I thought that was going to be like the one thing that gave him away. I was like, oh, that's that's going to be beautiful. I mean, I don't think that would be enough to <laughs> no fully give him away. No. Uh, he does all that and he frames the ex by inviting him around from, with Ashley's phone as well and puts a, ro- a rope around his neck and hangs him with a fucking right oh, on over oh, a yeah. tree. Um, and then, yeah, shoots his friend in the face and stabs Ashley in the neck. And then the idea is that the parents come home and they find him asleep because he's taken sleeping pills and he's somehow slept through gunshots upstairs. Yep, sleeping pills. Yeah. What I would have liked is if the parents come home, uh, they wake him up, he seems like really disoriented and everyone's frantic. But then turns out the parents actually had like a hidden security system (laughs) and there were like security cameras the kid didn't know about and they've got the whole thing on video (laughs) because there's like this throwaway line earlier where they're like, oh no, it's a safe neighborhood. We don't need security cameras. Yeah. And I thought that would have been fucking perfect. I think I think that would have worked a lot better as well because like throughout the whole movie you got this kid who just is convinced that he's going to get away with it because yeah. he's too smart or too clever. Yeah. And then at the end of the day it's just as simple as like yeah there's he's on camera doing everything. Yeah. Yeah. I I would have liked that. Yeah. I I do I'm fine with the way it ended. It was the way it ended in the way he was like sort of got away with it and had everything rigged up. Mm. Give me like really strong Ferris Bueller's Day Off vibes. Yeah. I don't know if that's just cuz I watched it not too long ago, but mm. Yeah, I do Just like the uh, breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> yeah, I do like that the the babysitter survives at the end. Spoilers, but yes. Yeah, well, you know, this is what we're about. <laughs> uh, I do like it because I thought for a, a split second that they were gonna have him get away with everything, and I hated that. Yeah, I yeah, the smarmy little shit. <laughs> yeah, you, you need, and even, I even still hate how he he doesn't really get any uh, comeuppance at the end. Mm. Like it. Eventually, he'll get comeuppance, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I needed more. I needed that catharsis at the end. That is true. It kind of leaves to your imagination, like after she gets taken away in the ambulance, that there'll be a big court trial and everything, and he'll be sent to prison as yeah. a twelve-year-old. But well, there's, there's a tiny after-credit scene. I don't know if you waited till the end of credit. Oh like, yeah. He, he just says, "Mom, can we, I'm worried. Can we go to the hospital?" Yeah. Which is weird. Like, like bit a bit out of place. I guess he wanted to bait, kill her. Yeah. In the hospital. But, um, yeah, no, it would have been good if something went wrong and his plans unraveled and he died at the end. That would, mm-hmm. have, been, that would have been good. Even if it was somehow that pencil 
on, on the doorknob yeah. outside That would have been good I also thought for a second When he was climbing on the roof oh, dude. That he'd like trip and Slips. hang himself Oh that'd be sick Like on Christmas, Christmas vacation lights? style Oh dude See we've each got a way better <laughs> ending Than the actual film Why couldn't we be in that writer's room uh, Man yeah. But the film as a whole I thought was enjoyable enough I thought it was fine It had some good moments for me But yeah. overall wasn't I, I didn't like it as much as I would have liked mm. Yeah fair That's all good and um, I really liked uh, some of the camera techniques that they had. Like, there was one where uh, she, like, shuts the door and runs into Luke and they fall to the ground mm-hmm. and the yep. camera, like, tilts to go with them. And then when she's, like, on the ground tied to the chair or taped to the chair and the friend pulls her up, the camera, like, comes back up. Yeah. I thought that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, yeah, really, really cool shot. Um, outside of that, like, yeah, it was just, uh, I don't know, I found it refreshing, which... It was cool for like a home invasion film. Yeah. It's like one of the characters you thought was a victim ends up being it. But yeah, I agree. Some some comeuppance would have been nice. <laughs> That's the last of the, the Christmas horrors that mm-hmm. we're touching on today. Other than Gremlins, what was your favorite? Other than Gremlins? Because uh, that's a given. You know what? Black Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I really liked the, the twist and the, um, the originality of Better Watch Out. Uh, Krampus was cool Always love Gremlins For the nostalgia But Black Christmas I think is my favourite Of these four Fair What about you? I don't know Uh, I asked that question Without having an answer in mind (laughs) I think in terms of like The one that feels The most Christmassy Mm. Is uh, I mean other than Gremlins Again Because Gremlins is the best At everything Other than Gremlins Is maybe Krampus Because it actually has Like the Christmas Like themes and stuff Mm. Like the whole family Mm. Uh but despite everything I just said, I think Better Watch Out might be my favorite of these. On wow, list, okay. Which is surprising to me because yeah. I think Black Christmas is maybe just a bit too... bit slow? bit bit slow, a bit not enough gore in it for my liking. Mm. Uh, not enough character depth for me. Maybe you need to watch <clears throat> one of the remakes. Maybe. And then Krampus, I think, just, yeah, kind of fell flat. Yeah, fair. But yeah, I've surprised myself just then. Cool, cool. Another one we didn't get around to watching was Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah, which I've heard good things about. Believe that's like a zombie Christmas movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The reason I didn't watch it for this pod was because when I went to watch on YouTube, one of the categories was musical, and I was like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> What's wrong with musicals? I'm just not a fan. What musicals have you seen? I've watched a lot growing up with my mum. Okay, and so now I'm just probably over bad it. ones. <laughs> I wasn't like Disney. Like I'm not a Disney guy. Yeah, well, ignore Disney. Right? It doesn't you don't Is need to Eight watch Mile Disney. a musical? <laughs> no, it's not a musical. <laughs> that's the closest I get. Okay. I think that I think I'll find a musical out there. And I'm Even not a Greece. I'm not a huge musical guy. I don't want to put that out there. Mm. But I'm sure there's a musical out there that you'd like. Okay, fan of the opera. Well, the movie of that is a bit boring. Okay. <laughs> okay. We've done 40 episodes since our launch on 31st of March mm-hmm. with over 1000 downloads. There you go. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty humble given that we don't sort of put a whole heap into the promotion of this pod and you know, we're just two guys. I mean, if we actually were good at marketing, this could be something good. <laughs> if we paid for advertising, yeah. maybe we could reach a wider audience, but we just do it for the love of it. Yeah, I'm I happy, I'm really happy cool. with the listeners we got. Yeah, I'm happy with our trajectory. Is that a word? Trajectory? Absolutely trajectory. not. No. Trajectory. Pterodactyl. <laughs> but yeah, so thank you um, for some of our regular listeners. Appreciate you all very much. And uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hope you had a good one. Let us know what you got up to. Send us your, your Christmas horror photos. Merry Chrysler. Your red and green Freddy Krueger sweaters. <laughs> I need to get myself one of them one day. Yeah, dude. Just wear it for Christmas. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we end, though, we got your present. 
Oh, happy. happy oh, that reminds me. I got happy you one. Christmas. <laughs> happy Christmas. I was honestly going to say, what if we got the same thing? That's but so funny. Clearly, we've not. Let's open these live. Dead house pod host. Oh, that's beautiful. No, that's so for much. me. I'm the dead house pod host. <laughs> you are. Oh, can you hear the crinkling? That's it. Here we go. Oh, oh, it's a gun. That's sick. I got horror trivial pursuit. That's so sick. And I got a not sponsored, but bam, Threadheads shirt. Yeah. My first Threadheads shirt. Threadheads, man. Welcome to the club. Hell yeah. Start a collection. An unhealthy habit. Says don't sit too close to the television with someone being dragged into the television. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. This is very on brand for us. Awesome. Very nice. Thank you very much, my friend. Uh, Anyway, hope you enjoyed our Christmas episode. Man, you make like a Christmas theme. (laughs) Christmas Deadhouse theme. (laughs) Not going to happen. Uh, in the meantime, catch us on any social media, Dead House or Dead House Pod. Uh, email us your Christmas wishes at <laughs> letters. <laughs> we'll try to fulfill yep. them in the new year. Emails to Santa at deadhousepod at hotmail.com. Uh, and, un- I mean, next year. Yeah, next we'll be, year. We'll be right back. We will see you next year. <laughs>